0: you believe investing isn't good then it'll find all the reasons why it isn't that's why some people in this economy today see great opportunities and a lot of people under the same circumstances see uh, only bad things ahead That's why if you believe at work people don't like you you'll find all sorts of reasons why people don't like you if you believe people like you you'll you'll find the good things
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Sharma and in this episode, we're back with the best-selling co-author of Rich Habits, Poor Habits and Metropole Property Group founder, Michael Yardney. Well equipped with more than five decades of investing, he explains the power of mindset and the value of having a team. Plus, he reveals how being a good negotiator is key to buying or selling property. (music) Collaborating with author and fellow investor Thomas Corley on their best-selling book, Yanni has been able to relay his observations on his successful clients' thought processes. Now, with an ego approach, he goes into the thick of it and summarizes how our thoughts, feelings and habits lead to the inevitable results in our lives. Because it's a universal concern
0: that people want to get richer. They know others have. They know there is some, well, they think it's a secret uh, to, to uh, wealth and they want to become wealthy themselves. So it's a collaboration between Tom Cawley, who has become a good friend, who lives in New Jersey, and me. Tom did a study of the rich and poorer of his clients in his CPA practice. So for five years followed them, asked lots of questions, tabulated it. Over the years I studied many of our clients and ran a mentorship program for many years where I saw many successful and not as successful clients. And what we did was we found successful people didn't have other things to invest in. They had shares, they had properties, they had business, but they did things in a different way because they thought in a different way. They have rich habits and the average Australian has poor habits. Uh, They have empowering beliefs and they have disempowering beliefs. And as I studied this, I realised a lot of these beliefs we have about money started when we were young, things we heard our parents say. Or not say things we saw our parents do, uh, things we experienced, because our mentors are, I guess, as you grow up, are, are your parents uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So my parents were very conservative, and my sister became very much like them, very debtaverse. But sometimes you become like your parents. And other times you do the opposite. I was angry. I was cross. Look, to be blunt, I didn't enjoy my childhood. I didn't have a pleasant childhood. So I rebelled. Uh, and while it worked in some areas, uh, it wasn't good in in other areas uh, of my life. So one doesn't always become like one's parents, but the parents influence you very much by things they say, things you saw them do, and, and experiences you had so these ideas these thoughts these ways of thinking because your thoughts lead to your feelings your feelings lead to your habits your habits lead to your results these things were formed as a child when you didn't really understand much about money and it is at a subconscious level but they carry through to even adult or much more adult right through your life so At our high-end workshop Wealth Retreat, what we do is, even though this is a room of already very successful entrepreneurs, business people, investors, we work through how they can work out, uh, understand what their limiting beliefs are, and then remove them and replace them with positive beliefs. But amongst these very successful people, there were a couple of themes that came through one of them interestingly tyrant was the feeling of not being good enough that was an interesting theme of amongst um, almost all the successful people now what they did though was they used that as a motivation to drive them while other people would say oh i'm not good
1: enough
0: i'm not even going to bother trying yes so what we did in Rich Habits, Poor Habits was unpack a lot of these things so people could actually see what they did, what others do, and uh, replace some of their disempowering beliefs and some of their poor habits because their beliefs become habits because you repeat them. A really good example is one of the rich habits successful people have is reading regularly but reading to learn, not reading for amusement, so successful people are avid readers. now that was in the initial study, but today i 'd extend that to learners on podcasts and learners on YouTube. The bottom line though is you 've got to be careful who you listen to because everyone's got an opinion about property at the moment, so you 've got to be careful who you listen to. You know what they say about opinions they're they're like belly buttons, everyone 's got one, but that doesn't uh, mean it's got a good purpose or a good use.
1: Acknowledging the fact that team effort is a key factor in any development or investment endeavor, Yani continues to delve into the rich habits that can be powerful allies in one's pursuit to property success.
0: One of the rich habits is to recognize that you can't do it on your own. You need to be as part of a team. So I still have mentors. I've got a couple of masterminds I'm part of uh, and uh, they're different. I've had business coaches for well, the last 20-something years. And over the years, as I've outgrown one business coach, I've had another. In fact, my business coach for the last decade or so, Mark Creeden, became a good friend. We've put together Business Accelerator Mastermind, which is a program that coaches other business people. But as well as that, Tyrone, he's now become the CEO of my company. Uh, uh, As I said, I've stepped back, so I've actually uh, allowed others to run it. But I've realized a long time ago on my own I could run faster uh, but but as a team we can run further and now that I'm 70 I can't run faster on my own either.
1: Indeed, Yanni has always been a champion for having the right mindset in property investing. As he has evidently cultivated a long-term perspective over the years, he now talks about the legacy that fuels his continued effort to grow his wealth.
0: Well, over the years I initially wanted to grow wealth and in that that's your aim. You'll never have enough. And so I had to find a better purpose for it. Uh, and one of them is to leave a legacy. For example, we are running another charity ball shortly. Uh, and if anyone's interested in supporting Hummingbird House, which is a hospice for, for terminal kids in Brisbane, it's a terrible uh issue if you you know your child's not going to survive long. Um, we're Hummingbird House, charity-ball.com.au. Pam, my wife, is running our fourth charity, we were cut back over COVID, but we've been do, we've done three in in Melbourne to give back to the community. Um, I also have children and now eleven grandchildren in my blended family, so I'm not investing for me anymore. I'm investing for them. We pay our grandkids' school fees. I'm not uh, shy about talking about that, helping our kids into the sort of accommodation I would have liked to have. So you've got to. It's not what you leave you kids, though, is what you leave in them. So I think it's also important to show the right examples.
1: Looking back on how his collaboration with Corley came about, Yanni tells the story of how they met that was rooted in a shared passion, thus bringing about a partnership that yielded a bestseller.
0: Well, it's really interesting. I actually met Tom Corley on Twitter Uh, I I liked his tweets and I uh, read his blogs and I said, can I republish them in property update because it's a newsletter that goes out every morning uh, with eight articles. And and then I invited him to come to Australia as a guest speaker at our Wealth Retreat and a friendship developed. And I, I could see we thought about things in common. So, therefore, we... Genuinely, once you get to a particular level, we both wanted to help other people. You don't make much money out of books. You may Look, I make more out of the Amazon royalties than I do from hard copy royalties, but you spend hours and hours, days, weeks, weekends doing it, so I enjoy doing it. But one of the most exciting things is when I get an email from somebody who sent me um who uh, sent an email and said, hey, I picked up your book at the airport and it's really changed my, my life because it makes people recognise, they read it and see themselves and say, oh, that's one of the things I'm doing.
1: Yardney highlights yet another book that he hopes would continue to help people be better negotiators, whether they are in the property game or not.
0: The other book that's made a big difference and done very well overseas is called Negotiate, Influence, Persuade, and that's particularly interesting for property investors, but it's also been picked up by one of the very large real estate chains who bought hundreds of them to give to their salespeople. My publisher said, Michael, you've been involved in billions, billions of dollars worth of property deals. You should write about negotiation. And as I started to write about that, I realized that in the world, you're either but um, you're negotiating all the time, whether it's with your partner about who takes out the rubbish bins, or your kids about you know when do you clean the room before you come out, etc. Um, so we all want to win. I mean, you know, if you're buying an ice cream, that's not a negotiation. You don't want to win. But everyone talks about you know this win-win. But most of us, let's be honest, don't want to have it just a win-win. We want to win, but we want to do it safely. So that book was written to help people get the best deal every time, whether they're buying or selling. So it ended up being much more than negotiation, but it was persuasion, understanding how to speak to people, how to read people and speak to them in the right way to get them to believe you, to get them to understand you. Because there's so many messages at the moment from all areas, particularly on social media. Um, And so uh, that's another book I'm I'm very proud of as well. I mean, I've done a lot of property books, but these are ones that are more general and have worked really very well.
1: Coming up after the break, Yarning breaks down the three things that good and great negotiators continue to keep the power of any exchange on their side.
0: So good negotiators in start the game of negotiating knowing what they want in the end and understand what they can do to get more power and realise they
1: should be involved but not too much. The long-standing belief he has on luck and how on intelligence has nothing to do with being financially successful.
0: Outsiders would say he was lucky. I'm not sure that I was. I got myself there through hard work.
1: He gives insight to an inspiring conversation he recently had that effectively continued to ground him in gratitude for the little things in life. He's in one of my mastermind groups uh, and C- Kevin, at the age of 23,
0: uh, broke his back and he I, he was a Paralympic champion playing a sport called sledge hockey.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investor. Packing the driving force behind people's decisions and what separates the financially well off from others, Yanni now explains the psychology of how it works based on what science has to say about the brain.
0: I think in today's society, most of us are keen to rush in and do things quickly like the example I gave of that couple from uh, regional Victoria who, who bought the house on the weekend. People don't do things wrong on purpose they do things because they think they're right and they've gotten they haven't got the right paradigm to think correctly and that's where i guess the negotiate influence persuade book is useful as well because it actually goes into the psychology of it um i learned that uh, if you're a good negotiator you, you can do okay but if you're a great negotiator you can do very well. Whether you are buying or selling, so while there were lots of books about sales techniques and closing techniques and negotiation, and this one, as you said, was more about the psychology of why it works. Understanding the sort of people that you're dealing with—that analytical people taking information very differently to to big picture people. Um, the, the people who are more feelers and socializers will be attracted to different things. Uh, than a a big-picture and analytical person. So there's a science behind why some people are wealthy rather than others, and a lot of it really has to do with what you're thinking and how you've been programmed. You see, there's something in the mind called, in the brain I should say, called the reticular activating system, and that's a bit of a GPS. Your reticular activating system is the bit that stops all the information coming in because we get all this input all the time from all areas, things you hear, things you feel, things you sit on. Uh, obviously why I was saying sit on is I'm thinking about it now I'm realising I'm sitting on a chair. I didn't feel the chair underneath me before because the reticular activating system um, blocked it out. I was speaking to somebody recently who had a baby and he sleeps through, his wife had a baby and they've had a baby, and he sleeps through the night but as soon as the baby stirs, she wakes up because her reticular activating system is aimed at that. So your reticular activating system – I remember when I was teaching my son Harrison to drive, we were driving down the Pean Highway, and he said, hey, Dad, look at all the Toyotas, look at all the Corollas. And I said, where, Harrison, look at all the Mercedes? That's what he was aimed at and looking at. So our reticular activating system is looking for opportunities – but it's programmed by you and will only filter in things it already that already fit in with your preconceived, pre-programmed ideas. And so therefore we are that's why we're driving around with one foot on the brake, because it's blocking out a whole lot of other opportunities. So studying the psychology of this is useful. So it's in one way a, a, a filter. It filters information, so it'll filter your name. If you're in a busy airport and all of a sudden you hear your name, despite all the noises, you, 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 you'll pay attention to that. Um, but, but similarly, it'll look for opportunities. And if you believe investing isn't good, then it'll find all the reasons why it isn't. That's why some people in this economy today see great opportunities. And a lot of people under the same circumstances see uh, only bad things ahead. That's why if you believe at work people don't like you you'll find all sorts of reasons why people don't like you if you believe people like you you'll you'll find the good things so the reticular activating system is actually filtering things out but it's also gps if you tell it where you want to go what you want to achieve it will find the way there and you don't necessarily need to know exactly how just like with the gps in your car you put in the final address and it will give you a couple of routes to get there and you it'll go down then if you go off route it'll take you back again again. So there is a huge there is a science behind this and there is a way of reprogramming the way you think because I've said it a few times, your thoughts lead to your feelings, your feelings lead to your actions and your actions lead to your results. So that's the sort of things I like learning about, reading about, writing about and teaching people about.
1: Continue on the subject of negotiators, Yanni discusses what sets the good and great negotiators apart from the just okay negotiators.
0: Well, I I think great negotiators know how to read the other party and they realise that negotiation is a game. Now, it depends upon what you're talking about. So as I said a moment ago, if you buy an ice cream, it's no big deal. But if you're buying a property or if you're buying a big ticket item, then uh, you've got to know the beginning, the middle and the end of, of the game. You've got to be involved but not too much. Great negotiators know that there are a couple of things that tip the power in their favour. The power is helped by people's uh, knowledge. The more information you have, the more power you have or are perceived to have. Um, Options is another great one. If you've got more than one option, then you're at an advantage. If you have to buy that home because that suits your family, it's ideal, it's the dream home, and there's nothing else like it in that suburb, then the negotiating Power is with the other side because you're desperate for it. Um, And time is the other one. If you've got to finish that deal in a certain time because your pre approval runs out, or you've got to buy that whatever it is, it's not necessarily property because of time. So, uh, uh, because the time runs out, then again, the negotiating powers are on the other side. So, good negotiators and start the game of negotiating knowing what they want in the end and understand what they can do to get more power and realize they should be involved, but not too much. In other words, don't get too
1: disappointed if it
0: doesn't work.
1: True to his calling of giving back and helping out with family and assisting his clients, Yani speaks boldly about his own self-beliefs. Thus, with raw honesty and measured words, he reveals his thoughts on luck, opportunity and intelligence
0: luck in my mind is very important but luck there's two sorts of luck there's random luck like winning the lottery and then there's the luck that you create for yourself tyrone by educating yourself knowing what's going on being in the right position and creating the opportunity, and then recognising it when it's there. So am I smarter than other people? You know, I've never taken an IQ test, and I know there's a lot more intelligent people than me who actually haven't been as financially successful as me. Uh, So I don't think it has anything to do with intelligence. To be honest, some of my most successful clients are dumb. I hope they're not listening to this, because rather than... uh, i mean when i used to do seminars i used to say hands up the intelligent people in the room and most people are a bit shy to do it hands up the analytical people in the room and more people put up their hands and i say you guys are in trouble more successful people uh, many successful investors say hey there's a multi -multi multi-millionaire who's educated more successful property investors than anyone else i'll just listen to him i'll do what he says um so I've surrounded myself with good people and I've put myself in the position that when opportunities arose, I took advantage of them. Outsiders would say he was lucky. I'm not sure that I was. I got myself there through hard work.
1: This successful investor and best-selling author continues to live life to the fullest. With happiness in his voice, Yanni opens the curtains to what he enjoys and what keeps him grounded in gratitude.
0: I'm having fun doing what I'm doing. I enjoy it. I've got a small group of clients I deal with. I've got a team of about 80-something people that I still, even though I'm not the CEO, I'm spending time. I did a long training session with them just a short while ago. I'm still learning and growing. As I said, I've got my uh, own mentors. Um, and, and every night I, before I go to bed, I actually, I'm not a metaphysical person, but I actually think about, what was the highlight of my day? I want to go to sleep with something good in my mind. And last night, interestingly, it was because my granddaughter, Eden, gave me a lovely hug as I left her in the afternoon there, in the, as I visit one set of grandkids one day, another one another day. So things like that are very more important than money. And then each morning I actually wake up uh, and again, I'm not a metaphysical person. But I want to start with something good, so something I'm grateful for. And, and today, for my podcast, the Michael Yardney podcast, this morning, I got up early to interview somebody from Canada who was a, a Paralympian champion. He's in one of my mastermind groups, uh, and C- Kevin, at the age of 23, uh, broke his back, and he, I, he was a Paralympic champion playing a sport called sledge hockey. Never knew there was such a thing. I looked at it online. It's like, I guess, uh, people are playing um, basketball or tennis from a wheelchair. They were playing hockey, knocking each other in these little sleds um, uh, because they couldn't walk. Um, And I thought, all my problems are irrelevant when you see what other people have done and what they've achieved. So uh, I'm enjoying simple things. I still enjoy the the lovely house I live in and the beautiful cars I drive uh but but I've, I've learned to appreciate other things in life.
1: Thank you to Michael Yarni, our guest on this episode of Property Investory.